Live in front of your naked steaming eyes and ears, it's the Odysseus Dog Podcast, Episode 1. Hey there, welcome to the Odysseus Dog Podcast. My name's Ian Robertson. You're listening to the official podcast for the musical entity known as Odysseus Dog, fine purveyors of strange rock. On this, the first ever edition of the pod, I'm obviously obliged to detail my story to you. Who am I? What is Odysseus Dog? And why the hell should you care? Um, I'm also going to attempt um, the interrogation of an interviewer extraordinaire, the Princess Philosopher, uh, to tell you a little bit more about myself. We've decided to call that one uh, Dog's World. Checking out an Odysseus Dog tune from the bowels of history, as well as previewing a new tune from the last album, The Return of the Inane. Uh, that's on Dog Side of the Tracks. This time around, those songs are going to be faces staring back at me from the 1998 album Demented Ravings of a Middle Class White Boy and Rhapsody in Blue from last year's album The Return of the Inane. And we're also going to have a look at some opposing theologies in Dogfight. Uh, This week, I can't help myself, it's going to be about Arsenal Football Club. Arsene Wenger, is it time to go or is he simply a misunderstood muster? Sit back, relax and work with me here. Okay, so we should start off by playing some music, given that Odysseus Dog is a musical entity, that's probably uh, the best place to start. It's really difficult for me to pick out the right tracks to introduce me to you in this, the inaugural podcast, but I've landed on a track called Rhapsody in Blue. Dare I mention, uh, most people who listen to Odysseus Dog pick out, uh, especially on the return of the inane, this song as being one of my more widely appealing tunes, dare I say, commercial. Anyway, here it is. Let me know what you think. This is Rhapsody in Blue.
So there it is. That's Rhapsody in Blue from the album uh, released last year, that year being 2015. Forget you're in podcast land and you could download this at any time. Uh, The album Return of the Inane, uh, available on CD Baby and iTunes. That song, Rhapsody in Blue. So that song was originally recorded as a demo back around the year 2000 or 2001. Um, and if my original plans for the album Return of the Inane had occurred, that demo may well have made it to the album. I was I was really pretty happy with how the demo came out. But as time wore on, uh, and I came to realise that the recording and the performance may well have had some flaws, I ended up re-recording it uh, for the sessions for the album. Added in things like the mandolin, uh, for example, a little bit of the lap steel, um, Gave the tune a little bit of a different tone. The song itself is um, hard for me to sort of talk about exactly what it's about. I guess, like a lot of people, I am the sort of person that when you're working the nine-to-five type of job, it tends to get you down quite a bit. Um, And at times you really do feel like you're not quite sure why on earth you're, you're... doing this with your life 
And often the why you're doing it, or at least at the time I probably wrote those lyrics, it was for a special someone. So there you have it, obviously geared towards commercial themes, that tune. So anyway, that is Dog Side of the Tracks. And the only thing that can really follow that is uh, It's a Dog's World. So for the first podcast in It's a Dog's World, uh, I thought we'd do a bit of an interview uh, thanks to my esteemed colleague, the Princess Philosopher, who will act as the interviewer, give you a bit of an insight into the world of Odysseus' dog. Welcome, Princess Philosopher. Hey, Dad. Who or what is Odysseus' dog? Uh, So Odysseus' dog is... um, what I would like to think of as a band entity, but uh, the membership of Odysseus Dog is what you'd probably like to say is uh, fluid. Um, There is only one constant, and the constant is me, Ian Robertson. Uh, So obviously as a musician, I started playing guitar when I was around 11 or 12 years old, And I started writing songs around about the same time. I did all the usual things that you do in high school, joined high school bands uh, with magnificent names like uh, White Riot after the Clash song, uh, Slip of the Tongue after many debatable things, a White Snake album, I believe. And uh, I think there was a, a Faster Pussycat song called Slip of the Tongue. Trivia for you, trivia buffs. And my my all-time favourite band name, which it saddens me that I probably didn't pick this one up as my permanent band name, The Epileptic Gonads. But um, from the point in university where I got a four-track cassette machine and started to actually record down my song Vehicles, from that point, for whatever reason, I became Odysseus Dog. And I guess it was because I never really felt that being Ian Robertson was the right thing. Um... Odysseus dog was 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 the right thing for me to be. So the short answer is it is a band. It could feature many different musicians who suit the purpose of the project at any one point in time. Um, but it is the music of Ian Robertson is what Odysseus dog is. Where did that name come from? The name, um, so at university, I uh, went to the University of Newcastle in Australia And I went originally um, to study psychology. Uh, It was around the time when people were talking about psychology being a boom profession in business. And I was swept up a bit in that and went and started to study that. And what, what I found was it had a lot of mathematics and statistics in it, which is certainly not um, me. So I drifted towards the things that I loved, which was history. And and I ended up getting a degree, um, honours in classical civilization, which for those of you aren't aware, is essentially the history of ancient Greece and the Roman Empire. Um, And especially around the time of, say, the Roman Republic, Uh, things like that. As part of that degree, you also studied literature uh, in translation because I was too lazy to study 
Latin and Greek. But uh, that meant that I ended up reading a lot of Homer, which is uh, the Iliad and the Odyssey, as well as things like Virgil, uh, the Aeneid, uh, Greek tragedies, Sophocles, Euripides, uh, etc., etc. And for those of you who have read it, Homer's The Odyssey is the story of Odysseus, whose Latin name was uh, Ulysses, who was a, a warrior at the Trojan War who uh, got lost on his way home from the Trojan War and spent a decade sailing around the oceans, attempting to find his way home to his long-lost love, Penelope. And uh, there was one other loved one for Odysseus, uh, which was his his faithful dog. His faithful dog waited uh, at home uh, in Greece for Odysseus to arrive home. And as the story goes... When Odysseus finally did make his way home after adventures with sirens and cyclops and all the rest of it, you can uh, you can look that all up on Wikipedia, folks. The dog was so amazingly uh, overwhelmed with love on Odysseus's return that he promptly dropped dead, and uh, that story is always um, both amused and bemused me. Uh, I just yeah. It's a story I love. So the band became Odysseus Dog. How would you describe your music? Describing my music is always like most songwriters and musicians, something I find extraordinarily difficult to do. Why? God only knows, but we're, we're bloody hopeless at it. Um, I came up with the term to describe my very first album in 1998, which was called Demented Ravings of a Middle Class White Boy. I came up with a term called strange rock. And uh, I came up with that term because although most of what Odysseus Dog is and does is rooted in in rock music and um, hard rock music, let's face it, um, I can't help myself but put a strange twist or a strange bent on it half the time. So... Um, there you have it. When when people ask, uh, I often just call it uh, strange rock. And uh, when I'm using classifications to classify the music online, strange rock is often what I will enter. Funnily enough, uh, you don't often see the term strange rock used to classify music. How would you describe yourself as a musician? Describing myself as a musician? Um, I... I am a guitarist and songwriter first and foremost when when it comes down to it. Guitar is my instrument. It's something I love. I grew up as a guitarist learning in the late 80s uh, as a teenager. So I started, I, I fell in love with the idea of being a guitarist after watching Angus Young on a VHS tape of the French concert for Let There Be Rock and uh, wanted to play guitar ever since. So I went through all the idols you would expect someone learning to play in that era to go through. Um, loved Edward Van Halen. Adored Steve Vai through the David Lee Roth era. And um, people people like uh, Long Lost Heroes, Randy Rhodes, rediscovered Randy uh, on listening to Aussie albums. And... Um, Guys and gals who love guitar, do yourself a favour. You may have to suffer the type of music it is, which is a band called White Lion, but 
Vito Brata, their guitarist, is a absolute genius who unfortunately I don't believe plays guitar anymore, which is one of the saddest things you'll ever hear. Uh, but go back and discover it. In the modern era, um, I progressed through loving Frank Zappa and I progressed through um, to Devin Townsend, who is an absolute god of music to me at the moment. Uh, Devin is probably the closest thing to what you, what I would probably aspire to, and yet my music sounds nothing like him. So let's get to the music. The last album was released in April 2015. Describe the album to me. Uh, uh, describe the return of the the inane. The return of the inane is a long-suffering album project. I finished Demented Ravings, the previous album, in 1998, and I released The Return of the Inane in 2015. So the gap between albums is severe, and I guess the easiest explanation of what happened is life. Um, Family, marriage, house buying, job working, life, Um, things... There were definitely things that happened to the recording technologies and things that I was using at the time that hindered the project, but it was more about me getting motivated to finish things. So The Return of the Inane contains songs that have essentially evolved over 17 years, and um, I'm not sure if you can hear that in the album or not, to be perfectly honest. It's, It's probably something that I'm a bit too close to to comment on. But the sort of album it is, is I would say it has um, some moments that have a lot more blues and country influence than I've probably ever thought I would produce. Um, and it has moments that are very much uh, rooted in uh, my hard rock strangeness that I adore and love. What is the difference between the two albums? Are there different influences between the two? So the difference between the two albums, I guess, first of all, Demented Ravings is an album that was recorded on cassette four track with very limited technology. I think I used a Shure SM58 uh, as my only microphone across that album. And drums came from me tapping patterns out on synthesizers, drum pads, uh, and uh, I think even a Roland drum machine was used, a terrible sounding thing. Um, yeah, it, it, Demented Ravings is one of those things I listen to. I'm extremely proud of it, but it has some moments that, that, that pain me to listen to again. It's a, it's a very, it's a much stranger album, a bit more naive sounding, I guess, in many ways. The Return of the Inane is the sound of someone who has definitely gotten a lot more confident in his recording technology and, and possibly even more confident as a musician. Songwriting-wise, for whatever reason, it has it still has some strangeness, but the strangeness may well be a little more subdued than, than even I'd been intending, which means there's songs that have come through on it that... Uh, that absolutely you could play on the radio. What comes next? What are you working on now? What comes next? Um, I'm still trying to figure that out a little bit. I think uh, it, the return of the inane is so fresh for me still. 
even though it's uh, it's almost a year on since I actually released it on CD Baby uh, and on iTunes. Um, given I am a working dad, I'm a working musician, I'm, I'm someone who doesn't have a lot of time to be the marketing promotional vehicle like so many modern internet musicians. I, I think Return of the Elaine still has a bit of a life in it. Um, I, I believe I need to do some focus and get some more videos out for some of the tunes onto YouTube. I believe I need to do more things like more podcast episodes, for example, to let people know uh, about the album. Um, having said that, at some point uh, I will need to get back into recording especially. I've got an idea for um, paying tribute to um, Australian pub rock uh, of the 80s uh, and uh, that idea won't get away. So that's probably something uh, I suspect that I will be working on very, very shortly. Thanks for your time, Daddy. Thank you very much, darling girl. Well done. And so to dogfight. And uh, as I was saying in the in the title, um, I'll be very quick on this. It's the first podcast. You've heard a lot from me. You'll probably continue to hear a lot from me if I do podcasts, uh, good thing or a bad thing. Uh, but dogfight is where I'm going to talk a bit about uh, the things that cheese me off in the world. And this time round, it's Arsenal Football Club. For those of you who aren't football fans, I'm very, very sorry. As I record this, it's the very, very late March of 2016 and Arsenal Football Club have almost certainly, um, and if events prove me wrong, God forbid, but almost certainly thrown away the English Premier League title in what can only be described as Arsene Wenger once again refusing to enter the modern era of football. Um, to take a big, big step backwards, uh, Arsenal Football Club are not my first love in football. My first love in football is actually, and I'm about to cheese off certain people, as football rivalries always do, my first love in football is uh, the mighty Rangers, uh, Rangers Football Club uh, of Glasgow. And uh, that's for another time. Arsenal is my second love, and I inherited them probably from my father who supported Arsenal. And um, means that I grew up watching Arsene Wenger and revering what he did with that team. Arsene Wenger, when he entered English football, was an absolute, absolute genius. He was so different to every other coach. The idea that he would spot immensely talented footballers bring the best out of that young talent and essentially empower them to play attacking creative football that was so based on touch and move and constantly applying pressure to the opposition. It was, it was a thing of beauty. It, was a, it really was a marvellous thing to see. The thing is the rest of the world adopted that idea and adopted many of the other techniques that Arson pioneered. Um, through those late 90s and early early 2000s and have done it better and have introduced a combination of pragmatic football as well. If you have a look at sides like, let's, let's face it, Barcelona. Barcelona, the touch and move and the skill that those players possess is extraordinary constantly evolving, and the club is built 100% completely around that philosophy. Um, 
yet there is something that Barcelona has that an Arsenal football club will not have under Arsene Wenger, and it is a tactical acumen, an ability to have a plan B, an ability to soak up pressure from an opposition, and if they have to, hit on the counter, if they have to, really change what they're doing. Barcelona's philosophy is something that is gorgeous to behold. But if it's not working, if they're under pressure, and this doesn't happen often, but when you see it, they they go to plan B, which is essentially plan A, but play better. But their plan C is soak up pressure. Their plan C is win the ball and counter. Their plan C is do the opposite and soak up pressure. Arson in the last year has probably two years, has shown that he has the ability to think that way. Um, Every time we've played Manchester City uh, and even the Chelsea games of this year have probably been good examples. Wenger has changed his approach. We've tried to play pragmatically and it has worked. Trying to do that in situations more often within games, not just substitute people on the 70-minute mark, is something that I just wish he would do, but he never will. It, it's just not going to happen. Arsene Wenger is not that man. And uh, so that's essentially my point of view. I know uh, if anyone is an Arsenal football club fan out there, there's a love-hate relationship I think we're all starting to develop with Wenger. Um, I adore him. I love him. But Arsene, for goodness sake, it's just time to go. Dark side of the tracks. Okay, so dog side of the tracks to uh, play a little bit of the Odysseus dog history, tell you a little bit about where we came from. The track I have picked from my first album of 1998, Demented Ravings of a Middle Class White Boy, is a song called Faces Staring Back at Me. Uh, It is one of the stranger instrumentations on the album. Um, it's it's a tune that I really, really always come back to. I'm always very proud of. And I don't know if it's the sort of thing I could ever reproduce. So here it is. Um, Faces staring back at me.
really let it go on the end here. <laughs> so that's faces staring back at me from 1998's demented ravings of a middle-class white boy. Um, listening to it again, even just as I'm putting this podcast together, it does make me it does make me smile as I do the Steve Vai vocal ripoff, or my attempt at Steve Vai vocal ripoff guitar lines there. So the song, this song was essentially a lot about um, the idea of uh, what would happen if someone was that paranoid in modern society that they worried about all of their private data, they worried about all the private cameras in their lives and they worried about everything essentially. Uh, taking over, leading to the fact that they had no private life. Um, and that's what that song is essentially about. Um, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, that's it for now. That was Dog Side of the Tracks. Dog Side of the Tracks. So there it is. That we've come to the come to the end of the inaugural very first numero uno uh, Odysseus Dog podcast. I really hope that... Uh, that you've enjoyed what you've heard. And if you have enjoyed what you've heard, please uh, feel free to check out the rest of the Odysseus Dog catalogue. You can go uh, and get The Return of the Inane, my album from last year. Um, all you need to do is go to CD Baby and search for Odysseus Dog, O-D-Y-S-S-E-U-S, apostrophe space D-O-G, and up will come The Return of the Inane uh, for you to purchase if you're more of an Apple iTunes type of guy, you can do the same thing on Apple iTunes. If you'd like to go and have a look at the website, sign up for um, some more updates from me, odysseusdog.com is the place to go. You can leave your apostrophe out on Odysseus Dog there. The internet URL type system isn't a fan of grammar. Um, that's it for me. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I definitely intend to see if we can do, um, something like a monthly or a bi-monthly thing for us here. I will play more tunes down the track. If you want to get in touch with me, uh, please Twitter at Odysseus Dog, no grammar, all one word, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Facebook, if you search Odysseus Dog, you'll find a Facebook page there as well. And uh, thanks very much for everything. Thanks for listening to this first episode. I hope to uh, see you soon. <laughs>